0: Welcome, everyone, to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Rod on ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com, Giants reporter. And we're into April. And the month of April, when you think of the NFL schedule, means the draft, the NFL draft. Yeah, that's right. Later this month is the NFL draft. So we're going to kick off our draft coverage here. We'll talk to our ESPN draft analyst, Matt Miller, joins us every year. Uh, Love his insight. He'll tell us. Which wide receiver makes the most sense for the Giants, given where they pick and who is likely to be available? So let's lay it out first. Ten picks the Giants have. Okay. First, second, third, fourth, two fifths, a sixth, and three sevenths. So a busy day three for the Giants. Standard picks, one, two, three, four. Uh, they obviously traded one of their third round picks for Darren Waller. That was just their second, third-round pick. That was the same pick they acquired in the trade uh, where they sent Kadarius Toney to the Chiefs. So 10 picks. Plenty of opportunities for the Giants to add players, add depth. This is where Joe Shane and this new regime really wants to build their team. As you've seen in free agency, this is kind of how they outlined it, a big signing or two every offseason pretty much, to supplement the roster, but then build the team through the draft. Obviously, last year's two first-round picks, Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal, they're going to go a long way in determining how successful this regime is. Uh, Thibodeau, a little more, obviously have to be a little more optimistic about him after his rookie year than Evan Neal. Evan Neal struggled. So we'll get to Evan Neal later this offseason. He's working with a new trainer that could have positive results. But let's talk about where the Giants sit in this draft. They picked 25th, and I reported it last week. They went and had dinner the night before his pro day, TCU wide receiver, Quentin Johnson. You know, the earlier, I believe the week before, they did the same thing with Ohio State wide receiver, Jackson Smith, Najibah, Nj- okay? Uh, Zay Flowers, same thing. Had dinner with him before his pro day. Jordan Addison uh, said that Last time he was asked that his most recent contact had been with the Giants. So they're all over these top receivers. And to me, what that means is that is near the top of their priority list. They are looking, thinking heavily about taking that position. doesn't mean it's a lock. Far from it. I think cornerback easily could fall into that equation. Matt will also give us his opinion on who the best option would be with a cornerback at pick 25, because there's three top cornerbacks considered in this draft, kind of ahead above everybody else. They're going to be gone. They're going to be off the board. So which of that next tier might intrigue the Giants at pick 25? But really, the favorite, I believe, remains wide receiver for pick 25. And the fact that they're on the road, and they're spending all this time, because we're talking about Joe Shane and Brian Dable, eating dinner with these top wide receivers. They only have so much time. So if they're going and having dinner with some, with these top wide receivers, it means they are serious about potentially drafting someone in that spot. Now the value still has to match the draft spot. It can't just be, Oh, we're getting wide receiver at all costs. That'll be a flawed approach. No doubt. It's going to be, is the proper value there at pick 25 for a position of need? Which by which, we also have to think about nowadays. Wide receiver is a premium position. Look at the way teams approach wide You need two high-end wide receivers, or at least a high-end wide receiver and tight end. Now they have Waller. They're hoping that pans out, obviously, the injury part of that. And I'll have a story on Waller running next week on how that whole trade went down. I think you'll find it interesting, so keep an eye out for that. So they have Waller, but they still need that really, really high-end wide receiver. They don't have that. So the draft is the most likely scenario. Especially when they're out there looking so hard and so deep into the top option Smith the jigba might not be there flowers, Addison right around the range of Giants pick. so it'll be interesting to see who is there available for them at pick twenty five Now, I will say and the, the at the NFL owners meetings, John Merrick kept open the possibility he he would be open to he's favorable to the possibility of Joe Shane and Brian Dable wanted to go that direction, still Odell Beckham, you know, and DeAndre Hopkins, who knows what's going to turn out of there. Now, my take on that is the Giants are not in those markets. But, huge caveat here, but if the price gets so low, I can see Joe Shane going in that direction saying, you know what? Look at the value here. This is a guy who has been adamant, adamant so far, about setting values on players. If the value is just so good for one of those guys, then yeah, sure, I could see him going and making that move. Now, right now, extremely slim on both ends for a variety of reasons. Giants don't have a ton of money. Those guys still want to get paid. Odell from what I hear, price range, not at 20 anymore, not at 15 anymore, but it's down to 13. That's what I hear. Now, the Giants are never going there. They're not going near there. Let's say he wants to take $4 million, you know, and get the $13 with all these incentives, or $6 million and can get the extra 7 incentive. Now I think maybe we're talking. Maybe we're talking something that could possibly happen. But, as of now, woefully unrealistic. And the favorites? The Landon Odell Beckham Jr.? The New York Jets. Undoubtedly the favorite. Now the Jets still have, obviously... They care of this Aaron Rodgers situation, and then there's the matter of making it work financially with Odell Beckham Jr. But they remain the favorites to land the former Giant wide receiver. And the Giants, meanwhile, look like they're probably going to add a wide receiver in the draft. Because if you think about it, okay, let's think even the guys they signed. Darius Slayton's three-year deal could be a one-year deal, easy, Okay. Paris Campbell, one-year deal, okay? Wandale Robinson, he's there long term. Isaiah Hodgins, he's on a one year deal right now. They could have him back next year, but who knows what happens there? He could just be a, a four or five receiver, and you know he's just just a guy is good to have on your roster. So, what do the Giants have future at wide receiver? And signing Odell Beckham Jr. is not going to change that because again, that's a short term solution, not a long term solution. So, it makes sense for them to draft a wide receiver, and it also makes sense while they're traveling the country, eating ribeye steaks, and talking to the top wide receivers in the draft. The top four. Zay Flowers of Boston College, Jackson Smith Njigba from Ohio State, Quentin Johnson from TCU, and Jordan Addison from USC. And one of those guys has a chance, is a favorite, I would say, actually, to be the Giants pick at 25. Cornerback still, I still think cornerback is a strong possibility as well. But while they travel the country and have all these dinners, I'm leaning more and more towards wide receiver. As for the NFL owners meeting, some of the things that stood out to me from last week, center position for the Giants, they're going to have to address it. In the meantime, they're looking at three options, Ben Bredesen, Shane Lemieux, Jack Anderson. Those three guys can play center. I still think they would they want to have Bredesen at guard, that that's not their their preference, and that they want to draft a center like the first three rounds. But for the spring, to make sure they have that position covered in case the draft doesn't work out, Jack Anderson, Ben Bredesen, Shane Lemieux, throw them in the pot, see what you got. They can't get someone in the draft and a veteran. So I think that's the approach at center. Uh, new turf on the field at MetLife City. No, not grass. Not exactly what the players wanted. Not grass. Supposedly improved turf. Uh, core. Field turf core, it's called. And if you want to go read about the technology, it's out there. Uh, stuff that, quite frankly, none of us really understand. But the slit turf they had before, players hated it. I The results... There were teams that complained. There's, It's hard to determine. You know, you look at the Giants and all these injuries and you say... Look at all their injuries. Look at their, all their ACLs, but how many were on the home? How many were on the road? How many were actually, like, Colin Johnson, right? He got injured this year, season-ending injury. He actually got injured on their outdoor field at their practice facility. You know what that is? Natural grass. So not every injury is equal. Some of them could have been on the road. So it's really hard to track if the, the, the turf at the stadium had more injuries than the turf somewhere else, or the grass, wherever, you know, at another stadium. What you can determine is that the players, the ones that are out there on the field, vocally hated the previous turf. So the fact that they changed, it's a positive. And from the comments John Mara made, it makes it seem that they would like to go grass eventually, but that's in the future. They haven't found a way that they think it can work. In that stadium, with all the events that they have, right, with the weather, the conditions, put that all together, they don't think that the grass can hold up. Because you look at a place like FedEx FedEx Field in Washington, and it has grass, cold weather, it's a busy venue. Their grass stinks, always considered one of the worst fields. It's always torn up. It's always not among the, the better surfaces. So, I think that's what the Giants' concern is. But at least there's hope that eventually it's going to become grass. I don't know when that is. I don't know if it's in the near future or far down the line. But, and I'm talking full time grass. When the World Cup comes, there's going to be some sort of grass, so at least temporarily. They only play, you know, soccer on grass. So, so two other things John Maris said kind of caught my attention. It really rubbed me the wrong way when he started talking about saquon barkley and look i understand not paying saquon barkley is the right business decision you don't pay running backs in this league at this point especially with the way the running back market is right now and that's fine The giants have him on the franchise tag they already made him an offer that he probably should have accepted earlier would have paid him in the 13 million dollar range almost he should have taken that off. Now I understand the guaranteed money wasn't what he wanted, but still, okay. The market is what the market is. The Giants were never going to go and pay him, you know, near the Christian McCaffrey number. Like that number is, doesn't exist. That number, sixteen million, doesn't exist anymore for a running back, especially for a running back like Saquon, who isn't the, who isn't like a basically a wide receiver size running back. It's not what he is. So John Maurer went out there and he said. You know, we want him to be a giant for life. Yeah. If you want to be a giant for life, you could just pay him top running back money. You know, you're going to sit there and tell, talk publicly and say, We want him to be a giant for life. He brings so many things to our team. He's a great guy. Yeah. If you want to say you want him to be a giant for life, you want to go out there and say, Well, you could just go, just go pay him. There's no reason to gas him up like that, only to behind closed doors not want to pay him, which, by the way, is the right move. So I didn't like how he went out there and said that publicly. And even worse, he admitted that they went. He went and had a conversation with Saquon and tried to sell him on, "Hey, take less money from us than you want. You know, you stay in New York, you to maybe have the post the post career success of Michael Strahan, Tiki Barber, Eli Manning, those type of guys." Then go trying to sell him on that just rubs me the wrong way. If I'm Saquon, I'm feeling some type of way when I hear that. Like what? No, no, I'd rather you pay me, not, you know, I could have a career because I'm playing in New York and are selling New York instead of wanting to pay me. That would irk me if I was the player in that situation. Flip side, I like what John Maris said. Uh, irate, furious, I think those are words to explain how he was about the league trying to flex and move Thursday night games. John Maris standing up for the fans saying, hey, people plan in advance. I'm going to come out come to this game Thursday night, months in advance, you know, make their make their travel arrangements and you're you're gonna move the game on them. And he's right. It's a despicable idea approach. Just shows that how little some of these owners care for fans. Seriously, that idea is terrible. And it was pretty close to passing, and it sounds like eventually they'll end up getting passed. Which could be trouble. Yeah, you know, that this is the way they think, I mean. Just keep grabbing that money, grabbing that money, grabbing that money. I'm talking about the owner. With zero regard for usually fans and players alike while we're it, So kudos to John Maurer for coming out on that one and sticking up for the fans. All right, let's get to our guest. On to the next one. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. All right, let's talk to Matt Miller, one of our ESPN draft analysts. We've had him on before. It's pretty much an, an annual thing here, Matt. So uh welcome back. Thanks for thanks
2: for coming on. Yeah, you're welcome. It's always good to be back. Hopefully last year I said good things or, or things that came true. I don't remember. So yeah. let us know. Yep. I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna guess that we said the Giants were gonna draft an offensive tackle and we nailed that with one of their two
2: picks. So I feel good yeah. at that. I think yeah. I had Thibodeau there as well in my mock. I think there we're gonna go. say I did. We'll say, well, I did. even if you think you did, we're gonna pretend you did it.
0: And you <laughs> were one of you were probably one of the few that actually went with that in that direction. So, no, I remember though, you were very high on Thibodeau as a player, and uh, you end up being obviously the fifth pick, Evan Neal, the seventh pick. This year, the Giants are at 25 and very closely monitoring the top of the wide receiver uh, options in this draft. Okay. They were on the road, uh, watched Jackson Smith, Najigba. I don't know if I pronounced that right. I was never really <laughs> sure. But anyway, they had dinner with him before his pro day. They had dinner with Quentin Johnson at TCU before his pro day. They had dinner with uh, Zay Flowers before his pro day. And the only one out of the top four that they didn't really have dinner with I believe at the, this point was Jordan Addison, but that's also
2: because he didn't really have a pro day, correct? Right, yeah. Yeah, with the uh, rain in California, of all places. Yeah, yeah I exactly. Pro, so California pro day rain, uh, rained out,
0: which is kind of wild if you think about it. Not what yeah. you don't expect. Uh, so with that being said, I'm curious whether you think any of the, which or any of those receivers actually make it. How about let's start
2: with this. Who doesn't make it to 25, in your opinion? I'll only say one, and that's Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State. And that is just because he is so talented. Even though he played three games this year, uh, for Giants fans who aren't familiar, he had a hamstring injury. They really set him back, so he played three games this year. But he is so talented, and you want to go back to 2021, he was dominant. I mean, he said records for Rose Bowl production when they played Utah in, in January 2022. Uh he has elite short area quickness, elite change of direction skills. His three cutter short shuttle times mirrored Julian Edelman's, but he's 6'1, 200 pounds. So it is just very, very, very good, you know, change of direction, what he can do underneath. Uh he had 135 targets in 2021. He only had five drops. So sure handed, great route runner and elite short shuttle three code times you're clear number one clear cut number one and yeah i mean the only guy i would say you know we're we're like three weeks into change out the only one i would say definitely goes in the top 20 picks and maybe even top 25 i mean it's it's this receiver class is not loved so i think if if that's the direction the giants want to go in round one you you could be looking at a lot of the big available surprisingly
0: so let's just say that's the scenario that plays out you know, Smith and Jigba goes before twenty five, whatever number I and mean, whatever number it is. Now you have Flowers, Johnson, Addison, and you know a lot of guys that I'm. I'm not sure how you view it, but probably aren't that far behind. You know, late first, early second round kind of guys. Yeah, where what would you do if you're the
2: Giants and you're in that spot at twenty five? Yeah, so I think. Very specific to the Giants. This will look different than my, you know, big board wood that's, you know, generic, just ranking talent. Okay. I, I feel like Zay Flowers, Boston College, slot receiver. Jordan Addison, USC, uh played a lot of slot. Uh there were times mm-hmm. at USC he played more outside. Um Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee, who I really like, he's a slot receiver as well. And I feel like the the one thing the Giants really have, have are a lot of slot prototype guys, you know, Wandale Robinson, slot receiver. Harris Campbell, while he may play outside, we're talking about an underneath speed guy. Sterling Shepard, smaller speed guy, Jamison Crowder. I mean, it's all the same profile. So I look at the Giants as the one team that really makes more sense for Quentin Johnston. than Even though he's my number four receiver in this class, uh, he makes the most sense for them. So I would power rank it. I think Jordan Addison can play outside. So I would say Jordan Addison, USC, Quentin Johnston, TCU would be how I would rank it, even though if you go on ESPN.com and pull up my big board, you're going to see Zay Flowers and Jalen Hyatt mixed in there ahead of those guys.
0: My only thing with that, and that I think when I sit there and I think about, okay, I agree with you, like how many slot guys is, is this team going to stockpile? You look at, uh, first of all, let's go with Mike Kafka. He comes from Kansas City, where they didn't really have that big X receiver. Either, exactly. Right. Yeah. And then you look at Nable, he's coming from Buffalo. I mean, Diggs was kind of their... X receiver but he's not like a big a, a real big guy either though
2: so no, I think you're right yeah you can get away with small is, if they're dynamic right yeah maybe so, it is yeah. a profile that they like those kind of guys so let's just say that's the
0: case they don't really care they don't need that big tall big bodied X receiver
2: who, who who do you have ranked number two and why I have to say Flowers which is a, a jump for me I did not throughout the season but oh, uh, did you man. know I had Jordan Addison at two, and I have them, like, though on my grading scale, they're both a 90 grade. They're right by each other, number 23 and number 24 overall. And it's funny because they both, like, a lot of the the negatives or question marks about uh, Zay Flowers are the same about Jordan Addison. I think right. outside of speed, Jordan Addison is not... A prototypically fast player, Zay Flowers is very fast. But whereas like Jordan Addison has really good hands, Zay Flowers has a career drop rate of eleven percent. So you can kind of poke holes in each guy. Um mm-hmm. uh, my comp for Jordan Addison was Keenan Allen, um, which like you mentioned though, with Kafka Dable, does that fit their, you know, their method of he's a guy who's he's like a four, five, maybe low four six type wide receiver. Is that is that what you're really going for? It's it certainly goes away from what their profile
0: done. is has been speed this offseason at the wide receiver. We need more yep. exposure. We need
2: speed. We need more big plays, and that is Zay Flowers to a T because he is a not just a vertical threat, uh, but also a yards after catch threat. And he was really hamstrung by bad quarterback play at Boston College. It's it's a wonderful story. He could have declared for the draft last year. He could have entered the transfer portal. He didn't do it. He stayed at BC. And, you know, he didn't have the numbers that he could have had going to, you know, a, a program that throws the ball more. He could have gone to USC as well. Uh, they would have taken him. But he would have put up huge. Numbers. Oh, my huge God. Went, yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, he could have gone to Oklahoma or Texas, you know, somewhere where they're going to throw the ball all over the place. But four, four, two speed that just really, really, I mean, shows up in everything that he does. I and mean, he's gained some weight. He's from 170 to 183 at the combine from shrine to combine. I, I do think he's like, he's trying to show, like, hey, I, I can play outside. Like, I can be press coverage. And you never want to make, like, I'm not comparing him to Tyreek Hill at all, but you see some of the similar, like, body type where, like, hey, this guy's short, but he's thick and he plays with, he, you know, jump balls. He's able to bring down the 50 50 balls. He's able to get a second gear in space that you're not accustomed to seeing guys do. So, not saying he's Tyreek Hill, but if you were looking for a usage type, I think it can be similar.
0: Yeah. I don't, Everything that I kind of heard, it makes me lean towards, okay, they really like Zay Flowers if that was their options and Smith and Jigba was not there and between the other guys. So uh, I could could 100% see that. The other option for the Giants, the other realistic option, I think, is cornerback in the first round. It's a huge need. There are some guys that could slot into that range. Do you see anybody... Or who do you see as a possibility in that range that would make sense for the Giants?
2: Yeah, it is a good corner class. I do think we'll see the top three guys. I would say Devon Weatherspoon, Illinois, uh, Christian Gonzalez, uh, Oregon, almost am like Colorado, that's where he was before, <laughs> Joey Porter Jr., Penn State. Yeah, Those three guys done, will be gone. Right. Yeah, yeah, take them off your board. Next for me would be Deontay Banks from Maryland, who is kind of that Byron Jones profile of just yeah. someone who's so freaking athletic that Man, the technique of the position he hasn't quite figured it all out yet but it's 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 there it just needs to be coached up and manual forbes for mix to be state this dude had 14 picks in college i mean he is just a ball hawk and consistent player what, really it was
0: mcshay's pick for the giants and the Was it was them what
2: is this uh tuesday night there. yeah i can't yeah. track of days now i can't I know because I asked my wife today. I said, "What day is it?" Like I don't even know. She, I what I almost day. said. Thursday. Yeah. I was about to say Thursday. <laughs> so I, I do not know. I wish it was Who's Thursday. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Forbes,
0: uh, 166 skinny though. Uh, I mean, skinny. I mean how, that's skinny, rude, skinny, skinny, man. I mean, yeah. i uh, how rare is that
2: for 100, 166 pounds? It doesn't happen. Um, it doesn't happen in the first round, especially. I I went back a while ago and like how many guys under 170 pounds at corner are we looking at who've been you know good players in the nfl and it's just it's not there you know it's uh he would be the second lightest corner drafted since the year 2000 um so it's just it's not what it's not maker. something that happens you know it's a great playmaker yeah i mean like you don't get 14 picks sticks in 2022 especially in the sec like you're not pulling those down if you're not a good player uh but you just you have to get over the size even he bumped up to one seventy three at the combine. Even if he's at 173, he's still the in the top ten lightest corners drafted in this millennium. So right. you never like outliers like that scare you. You know, would is you, when you're, would when you're you lean the skinniest Who would you I would lean, lean towards
0: toward so Forbes or Banks. Those are the two options that are sitting there. It looks, it sounds like those are your top two after the the the, the yeah. uh, original three who we say are going to be gone. You would lean towards
2: I would lean banks because I think you can look at like six foot, two hundred pounds, ran a four three five with a forty two inch vert, and he's a good player. Like he's it's not like he's like you know some trash player who's just fast. He's a really good player. Um, broke up eight passes this past year, had one pick. Uh, it's just about you know coaching up the technique a little bit, and I I would rather take that size and coach it up as opposed to. Hey, Forbes is a really good player, but he could be a liability, especially, you know, against physical receivers. Like, I mean, you've got to cover A.J. Brown twice a year. You know, like, you've got some big boys in that division. I just can't see him holding up against that. Deontay Banks also seems to fit the
0: mold of what uh, Wink Martindale would like. You know, big physical man-to-man corner can run. Obviously, like you said, needs some refinement. How much of a concern, I believe, if his number is one interception... Yeah. One this past year. Yep. How much of a concern is that? Is it, do, do you worry is his ball skills? Is that, is that the knock on him and how much of concern do you think teams have with that?
2: It's a concern only because there's context. Like I think there are times he's a little bit, you see this in college a lot where corners know they're so athletic that they, they do the Deion Sanders thing where they're like, I'm going to play off and bait this quarterback. But then sometimes you're, you're not fast enough to get there. And it, So, you know, plays that if you had just hung in face or hugged that hip a little bit, it's a PBU or a pick. So, I think it's just learning for him. The thing will be everyone in the NFL is better than everyone you played in college. So, you can't do that. You can't, you know, Trevon Diggs somehow gets away with it. And like he's the only one. Like, you're you're not going to be able to do that. You know, you're going to have to actually play up on guys. What's encouraging you is he had uh, eight pass breakups. So, you are seeing like he's living around the ball. And Joey Porter Jr. is the same way. He only had one pick last year as well. So there's a lot of pass breakups, not a lot of picks. So if there were, you know, two pass breakups, one interception, that's when I would start to worry. But uh, he's definitely shown that he can, you know, click and close on the ball.
0: Yeah, and as we know, sometimes interceptions can be a little deceiving stat. You can get the ball tipped at the line of scrimmage or tipped in the air. Yep. And next thing you know, a guy ends up with five interceptions and it's not a concern anymore because he has five interceptions. But the reality is, it, you know, the ball just landed in his arms a couple times. So um, yeah. the other position, you look at the Giants, and people want them to take, they want to look okay, at you know, John Michael Schmidt. Uh yeah. Obvious. The Giants need a center. They do not have a natural center on the entire roster. Logic says they're going to draft the center fairly early. Doesn't necessarily mean you have to do it in the first round. Give me the overview. Of the center market, who you like best
2: and where you would target the center. Yeah, so I like uh, John Michael Schmidt from Minnesota the best. His senior bowl performance matched the tape where he's just physical, aggressive, friendly, clear of everybody else. No, I think Joe Tippman from Wisconsin is right there as well. Like they're, man, they're one two and it's close. But then you have Steve Avila from TCU who's playing center. Uh, he's, he'll be listed as a guard. You're gonna see, you know, you'll see the the big boards. He's a guard, but he has experience at center. So you get three guys that I have top fifty grades on at center. Um, so I think that's where it's like, hey, that's a it's a pretty good group. Um, and then after that, you have Luke Whipler from Ohio State, who I have a mid round three grade on. I think if he'd gone back to college, it might be higher. He's a redshirt sophomore, so a little bit inexperienced. But you know, you're losing your bookends at Ohio State, so it makes sense that he wanted to jump to the NFL. But idiots. For all the talk about it being a, you know, it's a weak interior offensive line class, I mean we've got four dudes who will be starting stinners in the NFL next year, it graded in the top seventy five. So I think there's there's good top end talent. It just it drops off pretty significantly. How much of a risk would it be then to
0: wait till the third round or you think you have to get if you want one of the top guys that you're gonna book on or plan on starting this year, that you have to get them within the first two rounds of the strat?
2: I think it's important. There's one guy that will probably be a late third round pick, Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas. If you felt like where the Giants are, i feel like, hey, we could probably get this guy. Um, you're not going to give him a 128. So it's like, uh, you know, you got 25, 57, 89. He's probably going to have to go 89. Um, but he is a- another dude, I mean, just a dominant player against SEC D tackles. So, you feel like there's five, and I think that's where you have to watch the board. If Schmitz goes late first, if Tippmann goes early second, that's probably where you start to to get a little bit worried because the run has started, and you might have to start thinking about all right, Avila is 57, Whippler 57, or you know, is it a situation where you've got you know a lot of day three picks? Can you try to move up from 89 to get Ricky Stromberg a little bit where you feel a little more comfortable with the the value? But right. uh, I do think you can get a receiver or corner, round one, vice versa, round two, and and find a way to a center in round three. I think the Giants fans would be ecstatic if that's the way it worked out,
0: wide receiver, corner, you know, flip them if you want, and then center as well. It center's a position, and, you know, teams don't prioritize in certain teams, and that they, they feel like, oh, well, you know what? We could kind of just get by with this guy, at least, you know? And so, I yeah. think that's a thought that the Giants might have entering this draft, so round three could be a possibility there. They have a ton of day three picks. I believe it's seven. So tell me what where's the value late in this draft? What uh positions are positions you that you believe you could still get really quality
2: players or, you know, potential starters, you know, good depth on day three? Yeah, I think running back, obviously, um, that's a given every year now. Oh, um, nice. So, uh, yeah, and I mean, y'all have a pretty good one there. Um, hopefully, for now, <laughs> we'll see. Oh, hopefully he's there. I, I love Saquon. Hopefully he's there. I think but he's on that, the franchise sack
0: uh, so you have to be realistic. Right? He's only on a one-year deal. What's the yep. future? He's in
2: year six in the NFL. Like drafting a guy makes a ton of sense for them in that range. Well, like you said, especially with so many day three picks. So, I mean, in the Fourth round might even be a little early, you know. I, round round five, you can start to look at players like uh, Kendra Miller from TCU, uh, Zach Evans from Ole Miss, Dwayne McBride from UAB. Like, there's just there are so many running backs this year that yeah, I mean, why not take a swing at a guy? Maybe you hit, you know, and then you've you've solved your problem, um, you know, with the salary cap. So I think that's smart team building. Number one, but also should be good value. But defensive end is really deep this year as well. Like, you should be able to get a situational pass rusher in the fourth round um that corner is deep as well like obviously you know if you need a frontline player that should be round one uh maybe round two um i actually like the depth like round four round five a little bit better than i you know in round three it feels like you're you're pulling some guys up to round three to draft them there otherwise like if you could wait until round four you could get get some pretty good players at corner who maybe they're definitely looking maybe, maybe at the corner yeah, so, but maybe you're like, at corner in round four, you're like, okay, this guy's a slot only, or uh, this guy's a little bit, uh, you know, tenth of a second slow, but they're just really good players. Uh, like, uh, Travis Hodges, Talmanson from TCU, tiny, but find me a corner who worked harder in college football. Like, you can't do it. Um, won the Thorpe Award, plays much bigger than he is, and fights for every pass that comes his way. So, you can find good players. They just, you know, they might not beat all the thresholds Matt Miller, crushing it as always. Tell
0: us when's the uh, when's the next mock. How many how many you end up doing that these days? Every year,
2: not many. I used to do one like weekly. I would basically do one whenever people asked. Yeah, yeah, great. (laughs) Uh, ESPN is like, nah, man, we let's save that stuff. So we're doing a needs versus value mock draft. Myself and Jordan Reed. That'll be uh, Friday, April fourteenth. Is when that will come out, and then. I'll do a seven-round mock draft the the Monday of of draft week. So, April 24th, I'll do my seven-round mock draft.
0: Oof. How long does a seven-round
2: mock draft take to put together? If I have nothing else to do, two days. And I mean, like, if I have nothing else to do. Like, I'm not taking the kids to school. I'm, like, (laughs) eating a sandwich from downstairs. but Like, I'm not leaving the house uh, two days. Because you got to make all the picks, you know, make sure – I actually sure you know the team needs you know make
0: all the picks and then sometimes look back and be like oh man i forgot to put this guy in and then have to sh- go back yeah. sh-
2: shake the whole thing up oh yeah that's the worst feeling so i have a system now it's <laughs> where if i draft you know like hey pick 25 the giants take Zay flowers i have a, a system that i will delete him from my list so i can't even accidentally see his name again you know so it's it is a process man it's it would be no one would watch it it'd be good tv to like <laughs> see the sausage get made on that like seven people would watch it so it will never happen but it's it's definitely a lot of work it's fun i love doing it all right
0: espn plus let's go let's get on this we got we got something for you here we go here's our night pitch
2: <laughs> the making of a mock draft the mock drafters you know hey right. like, come on the the draft the The Netflix show, "The Making a Murderer," it's like making a mock draft. <laughs> there we got much more family friendly, but same see, idea. See, this is what we come
0: up with here on Breaking Big Blue, right there. We got, we we got, we got content, content. We got, we're just gonna get ESPN on board. No, exactly. Time. All right, Matt, appreciate you as always, man. We'll do it again next year. All right, thanks, Jordan.
1: Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
0: All right, we're going to wrap up this episode with a quick rundown of the schedule. We are in April. That is fact. The draft is later this month. The Giants open their off-season workout program on April 17th. going to be very interesting to see if Saquon Barkley shows up for the start of camp guy who does not like bad publicity, likes to be viewed as a good guy, who does all the right things, but he's stuck on the franchise tag. And it's very, very clear. Saquon Barkley is not happy about it, okay? So what does he do? Does he hold out? Does he not show up? Does he show up sporadically? We'll find out coming up in a few weeks. But first, next week, I mean, I'm going to go little vacation upcoming. Warning. This episode will have to hold you over until the end of next week. But the end of next week, I promise, and on this plastic container that's in my office right now, that I will do a breaking, uh, I mean, a Giants after dark late next week and answer all of your Giants questions. So send them in. You know how to reach me Instagram, email, Facebook, Twitter, although Twitter, they can get lost in there, warning you. It can get lost on Twitter. Instagram is a much better option. But I will do my best to answer all your Giants questions because we're going to have a lot coming up in the next few weeks. I'm also going to need a couple more players to come on the podcast in the next few weeks. We're really going to hit the ground running. It's going to be some killer episodes. So make sure you tune in You listen to Breaking Big Blue. See you next time.